Alright, three, two, one. And it's been a while, but here we are again at episode 12, and we got the doc. What's going on, everybody? Uh, thanks for having me, Steve. I'll tell you the same thing in front of everybody that I told you before we started the show. You've got the knack for this thing. This is really good. I've listened to all your podcasts. and If you hear a ball squeaking in the background, that's my puppy wanting to play. So ignore that. Oh. <laughs> why, why don't he just like go to Bray Wyatt and, and let him in? Well, yeah, I kind of like having it around, so, you know. Well, just because Bray Wyatt's going to let him in doesn't mean he ain't going to give him back. That's true. I you mean, know, Bray, Bray's my favorite character. I mean, I haven't watched actual wrestling in a while now because it kind of reminds my wife a little bit more, too much of her dad because her dad would always watch it and he's since passed on. But Bray is my one of my favorite characters, and I'm really mad that WWE has no idea how to, how to use him. <laughs> I mean, so far he debuted, and he's only been on, like, what, twice or three times? Yeah. So, we'll have to see where it goes. I have no faith in them doing anything good with him. Because every time they bring they him back... <laughs> you give him the championship for a month, like, four years ago, and you expect that to be enough. It was actually two years ago, but yeah. See, it's, that's see, it's, it's how that's how long it's been. Like, like when you have a kid, your 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 timelines change a little bit. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm still stuck on Dragon Ball Z before the Frieza saga even began. Like, I'm still dealing with Namek. So. I don't even have a kid, and I'm still stuck in the Frieza era. <laughs> I'm just saying, I haven't watched Dragon Ball Z in nearly 20 years. Oh, man, you're missing out. Now we're in Dragon Ball Super, and there's a whole god thing going on. It's awesome. Uh, Dragon Ball Z was just one of those things that I just... It was what it was. It was cool when I first watched it, and then I just got over it. Um, but that said, the Doc. Is this a character you've always had? Just before Paul? Well, I... Generally, the doc is in a in a society with no rules. I would be doc because he's he's intelligent. He's he seems to be one step ahead of everybody. You know, he's he's merciless yet he's passionate. Um, you know, he he really can coach people up. And over the history of my call, and and even since retirement, except for CCL, of course, but you know, people. They, they message you, and they ask you for advice, and they ask you for tips, and you network with people. You put people into other, into prospect with other people, into contact, excuse me, with other people. And, you know, lo and behold, after it all, I've got this great sense of family and the call family because of how the doc has developed, because he has been my only, he has been my only call character, and... You know, I, I met Sean, who's like a little brother to me. Uh, I've met you, uh, and, and you and I, we don't really talk a lot, but you and I, I, I get the sense that we get along. Uh, Ray and I, who's like another brother to me. Uh, Carol, Jay, who's my who's my son, as they joke. You know, because of that one character, I've connected with so many people. And I don't think you can put, I don't think you can put anything other than priceless on that kind of value. 
So he may be my only character, but he's led to so much more and so many more people. It's funny because the way you described him is the same way you would describe him accuracy. Very uh, yeah, ruleless but it, passionate. Yeah, uh, I I I I do see it. a lot of a lot of my doc a lot of uh, doc is I do see that in accuracy. I also see it in uh, some like you and I were also talking about off air. I see it a little bit in RPJ's work. Um, you know I I, I see it the. The one time I had to laugh, and this will make you laugh, since we're drawing comparisons to each other's characters. Somebody said, "Smoke, it was Smokey." He said, "He said, Doc, you're not nice characters awful lot alike." And I was like, "In what sense, sir? In what sense?" Mm. <laughs> so, in Smokey's world, uh, by definition and by drawing parallels, you are similar to Smokey as well. I just want you to know that. <laughs> Me similar to Smokey, <laughs> according to his logic. And what, now I gotta ask him what sense. <laughs> That's right. Well, if, if if we're drawing comparisons to me and you, uh-huh. our characters, and he tells me that my character reminds me of him, then by definition, his character would also remind him, or your character would also remind him of his oh, character. Oh God! I, see, yeah. Listen, I That's don't what know we're the guy. With. I, I don't know the guy. I have no idea who this guy. <laughs> I've had very little interaction with him, but if, if he does believe that, that's a little bit out of whack. I, to, to, but you know what? To be fair, I don't know the Smokey character. I've only gotten secondhand information from guys like Ray, guys like uh, Sean, etc., telling me all about the character and what they feel about it. They don't really go... I, I can't get the full picture. I mean, I've seen like maybe a couple of his promos, and I could barely understand what he says in most of them not because of his accent or anything like that just maybe the quality of mic that he uses picture across of the look of uh macho man randy savage meets a country superstar like keith slater it's like a mix of those two Mm -hmm. i would think yeah so clearly you and i fit that description Clearly, I, I don't know what universe you're from, Steve, but that tells me that you know we're, we're on the same wavelength. The only universe he said, I run on, he said on, sarcastically. The only universe <laughs> I run on is Universal Studios. That's the universe that, I run that's, on. That's that's right. <laughs> My favorite theme park ever. Shut up, dude. You you wrong if the, you disagree. The the ET ride is phenomenal because it says your name as you're leaving, and it's great. It's like bye, Steve. Bye, Gary. No, it's see, great. you're underselling it. It's goodbye, Steve. <laughs> and I'll tell you something else. Whenever I go on there, I don't even use my name anymore. I I use like stupid names. I'll use like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on three times straight, and I'm gonna say Seth, Dean, and Roman, just to <laughs> be that guy. And then the next time I'll go on three times straight, I'll say I'm Bray, uh, Luke, and Eric. <laughs> and I think and then there's there's gonna be some guy like riding the ride with you like six times in a row. It's gonna be like, hell, is the Shield and the Wyatt family here? <laughs> I yes, I remember going the, on the line and and playing the Shield theme in the background just for a vibe sense because it smells like a woods. Why don't we make it feel like it? Now the Shield <laughs> through the trees. <laughs> yes, to anybody who's never been there, go on this ride at least one time. You think it? 
You think E.T., oh, that's right, it's not going to be any good. But you would be wrong and really wrong because it's phenomenal. Well, the whole park is phenomenal, but yes, this yeah. ride, it's its uh, a throwback to the 1990s uh, Universal Studios. It's the only one that really still has uh, that element of 1990 opening day Universal Studios. So, yes, definitely check it out. And, uh, yeah. Uh, that's that's the only universe I run on. I don't know the, what the universe Smokey runs on. So um, um, the, the crazy universe. I, I well, I'm crazy too. So that comes to the territory. Um, so, but uh, that being said, I wouldn't talk about him if I didn't like him. I, I've had several interactions with him, and he's a good guy. He he really is. He he needs some work on how he draws conclusions. But other than that, he's I, I drink a beer with Smokey. Mm-hmm. I, I, like I said, I don't know the guy. Don't know him that well, so I'm not going to be one of those that just says the fuck Smokey Train. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I mean, I see what he has said to other people, or what he has said that has rubbed people the wrong way. I can understand it. Um, some of those battles are just not my hill to die on. Right. So I yeah. just don't care enough. Uh, but... That being said, that that that's his of dime. But when I, it's crazy because I don't think I knew of you until you commentated Battleground for the first time. And that's that was one of the funny things. And so people can say what they want. Speaking of controversial people, people can say what they want about Christian Gary, all they want. <laughs> but I will, to, to, to the day I die, and I'm circling back to, this is something I, I started out with similar on Sean's show when I was on, when I was on Sean's show, the Sean Wells show, and I circled back to this a similar question. Christian Gary is about as good of a networker as there is. He is the master of putting people in contact with people that should know about those people. And that's true. And if you think otherwise, then you're wrong. You just are. And, you know, you can say all you want about his character, about how he operates, how he lives his day-to-day -day life, and how he communicates with other people. But the fact of the matter is the man can network, and he is really good at it. And... I say that because it was when there was a night several years ago, my first really the first night I spoke with Eddie, that CCL um, was apparently looking for a commentator or wanted some involvement from other from other uh, call feds. And Christian Gary added me, uh, Big B, and Jimmy to CCL's page, and Eddie messages us says, wait, is this the Doc and the Big B? And we're like, yeah. You know, we didn't know who this Christian Gary guy was or really anybody else. And he said, well, you guys are great. And at the time, Brandon was wanting to start on some other stuff. I had some free time on my hands. I was going through a rough time in my life. So I told, I told Eddie I'd commentate for CCL and be brought in that way. Well, from there, CCL... Or there was a there was a post on COH to bring also in new talent. Uh, Travis was looking for some people, and and he listed all these people, and somebody put Doc at the very bottom. I don't know. Still to this day, I don't know who this person is. And I think he was looking for a new general manager, and they put like Johnny Thunder and 
some other people on there and they put Doc. And uh, he Travis didn't put Doc. Somebody added my name. And all of a sudden, like, 20 people voted for Doc. And when I first commentated that battleground, of course, you know, we all know the fiasco that happened with me not calling the joining of the eradication correctly. And it's something that I regret to this day. But as you were talking about with Travis and with others about communication, this simply wasn't communicated to me how big of a moment that was. Now, but several other people like Nitro and a few others said they'd never heard of me really prior to prior to Battleground, but then same amount of people said, you know, I was wondering if you were ever going to do it again, we miss your work, yada, 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 and it's very flattering, and at the same time, I was glad I was able to open up to a new set of fans like yourself and like others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, my only real criticism, yeah, was that you just uh, seemed to lack the uh, ability to take a moment, I mean, even if, let's just say, the eradication was already formed. It was a moment where it was like a swerve, and the reaction did not meet the the moment itself. So, it, it, you and I agree with you. It, you definitely picked that up later on. Um, and to be fair, you started to do more of a heel commentator role. So, in that case, your reactions did not have to warrant the same thing. You just had to be who you needed to be, which was the the color commentator, the heel commentator. Although, there are times where the heel commentator does react to certain situations. But uh, being that you were basically the Michael Cole of Battleground, <laughs> I, I know it's, it's a diss to many because many people don't like Michael Cole. But but you were supposed to be the, the, the voice of Battleground. It, it's A lot of people don't realize that. When it comes to just wrestling shows in general, there's two important things that people don't realize is very essential to making a show. The commentary and the crowd. If the commentary is not involved and the crowd's not involved, what makes you think that the person that's watching on their TV is going to be involved? Right. So that is that is one thing I, I, I stress is that and, – and it's not just with commentators. It's with talent. Talent needs to get involved, and when I mean involved, I don't mean involved as in, like, doing promos all the time. That definitely helps. But I mean, like, get feeling like you're involved in a conflict. Like, you're in a true-to-life conflict with said individual, and you have a right. motivation to your actions. And I, I, I think a lot of people, when they do a cause show, they're like... All I need to do is throw together a roster and a story. No. I have listened to shows, and I'm sure you have as well, where the commentator is similar to something like this. Uh, And he does a body slam there, and oh my gosh, he follows it up with a leg drop, and uh, oh, who's this coming through the crowd now? It seems to be uninterested. But I've also seen those hypersensitive commentators you know that react to every little bump, and you can't you can't have that either. You got to have a good mix. Somebody who's somebody who calls the calls the action how how it's supposed to be called and correct it to match the feeling, like you said, match the crowd, and it it really speaks to someone's talent when they can do both of those things well. And outside of that first 
episode of Battleground that I did because, like I said, the communication just wasn't there on that part. I I think you know that's something I've been managed I've been able to do for the for my commentary career starting with DWA all the way through CCL and then eventually COH and I think that you know you, you know you're doing something right when people reach out and they want you to be part of part of their work and it is very humbling because you're inviting me or you're inviting RPJ or you're inviting whoever to to be part of their creation and that is humbling because there's no really greater testament to how good you are at something. You can think you're good all you want, but if no one calls you to be a part of it, then are you really that good? But when somebody personally reaches out to you or volunteers you or puts you into contact with other people, that makes you really proud of the work you've done. And it, it, it is a humbling moment. So you said that you commentated for three companies, uh, DWA, CCO, and COH. Mm -hmm. If you had to say, I mean, obviously you're still with CCL, but if you had to say of the three, which of the runs of commentary did you have the most fun in? I think DWA, to be honest. Um, I was still finding myself as a, as a character and as a commentator. Um, and... That version of me was unhinged. If you go back and listen, because lately with CCL and COH, since I've adopted work with children, uh, working through the church and things like that, I I've stopped cussing to so because accidents happen. You know, you ever out and about, you say a word and it just slips. So I had to eliminate cussing for my life. Um, just because I didn't want to say something in front of the kids that, you know, I'm, hey, slow down there, you little mother effer. No, I didn't want it slipping out or anything like that. Mm. So I kind of had to eliminate that from my life. But if you go back and listen to the DWA, there was a lot of that going on, a lot of innuendos, a lot of just flat out saying stuff for the reaction, for the funny reaction. But I think DWA was probably where I had the most fun due to, you know, just developing the character and and the fact that it was Doc unhinged on commentary. Mm. Um, I I just want to know why just commentary? Like I I know you explained earlier that you and RPGA see yourselves more as the outside guy, like not a talent. But um, if I'm correct, were you ever a mouthpiece for somebody? Yeah, oh yeah, I've been mouthpiece for several people. Um, in the doctor's order, uh, people like that. Uh, Ray's asked me to step in and be a mouthpiece for this uh, group called the Loveless Outlaws, where I currently am with GSF. And um, you know, several other. There was a time I had to step in and be a voice for Chronic. Uh, had to be a voice for Nitro. Um, you know the. But to your original question, you know, why commentary? I, sports reporting has always been, the last 10 years of my life has been my life. Sport, reporting on sports, radio on sports. You start to learn that you've got an affinity for storytelling. Mm -hmm. And then you apply that storytelling to commentary. And like I said, when somebody seeks you out, like we were sought out for Triple Threat Talk, and puts you on the radio... Uh, because they believe in what you're doing, it lets you know you're doing it well. 
And when you tell a story, you can do that on all platforms. So with the exception, like I said, the, the Battleground, the first episode of Battleground I did is forever going to be probably one of my biggest regrets because I'm so sorry to you to this day that I did not sell your big moment. And, you know, you and I, we've moved past it, but there was discussions there. And, but it's still one of those things that, God, I should have known. I should have seen that. But I didn't. And, but no career is perfect, really, if you think about that. You can have a good baseball season, but you, can, can you, it's possible for you not to have a good baseball career, even though you have a good baseball season. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's, that's the one thing in my commentary that I, I wish I, I really could take back. I, I really do. Because I think if not for that, I think I'd have a pretty close to a perfect career. Well, um, the, the, the crazy thing is, is that that was the only thing I think I ever gave you, uh, credit, uh, that I gave you critique over because otherwise I've never really had an issue with your stuff. And obviously you're very quick witted, you know, um, <laughs> how to deliver the, the one liners. Like, I, I wouldn't say because there's only one, I wouldn't say you're on the level of Bobby Eden because there's only one Bobby. Eden. <laughs> that, that, that's very true. But, um, I would say you were at least the closest thing to Bobby Heenan that COH has ever had. I appreciate that. That is a compliment, so, sir. Thank you. I will, um, I just, I don't know what it was when they paired you up with, um, I actually, I was going to say, they paired you up with RPG, but that wasn't the first pairing you had. I think you were with Chris at one point. Yeah, I was with Chris, and... Chris was working with Chris was was great because I I I liked working with Chris I liked his dynamic and then when I started developing the the secretary of call character you know he started looking at that as and he says it on the broadcast you know I would say help your Trump and he was yeah that's right put yourself over so I think he kind of looked at that like I was trying to put myself over but no, I'm I'm being the heel commentator like you said a minute ago. And uh, I think that's when things between Chris and I kind of started slowly spiraling down. And, you know, we all know, I'm, Sean has told the story, so it's not really worth telling. Mm-hmm. But I, I would want Chris to know this, because I know he's going to listen to this. I would want Chris to know that, and I know you're friends with Chris. Are you, are you still? Do you mind disclosing? Are you still friends with Chris? Or I know some stuff has happened, but are, are you still talking to Chris? I talk to Chris every now and then. I'm still a part of his car company. I wouldn't say we talk to each other every day. Um, mm-hmm. I know he, among many of the people, for full disclosure, everybody. Uh, my mother passed away about a month uh, before this recording. And- my condolences for that. That's it's never easy to lose a family member and brother, but mm. when it's your immediate family, I, I truly feel for you. I, I'm I'm so sorry that that happened. Thank you. Um, but Chris did tell me that if I ever needed to talk to anybody, he was there for me. But it was there was a lot of people that were saying that, and um, or at least uh, giving me the helping hand. So yeah, I would say I'm still friendly with him. I'm not involved in. The, I would say the later aspect of what would go on, like the last few uh, breakouts. <clears throat> and 
you know, with that being said, you know, I, I know Chris is going to listen to this, and I would want Chris to know this, that Chris, you have a great career. He's had a great career. He, he has. He's done a lot. He's put a lot of stuff into motion. There was no need for him to lie or to misrepresent the things he did or who he was for the reasons that he did. He had a good career without those things. You know, your call career isn't you running into a building that's burning to rescue somebody that never happened. Your call career isn't telling me that, you know, Sean scrapped an idea when it was really you scrapping the idea. Your, your call career isn't you trolling people on a Facebook post or cyberbullying somebody or or all these other things that, you know, Cash has done. Your call career is what the memories that you create that stick out to you and that stick out to others that creates that. The moments that people are reflect back and associate with you. That's your call career, brother. It's not misrepresenting who you are because you think it'll get people to like you more. It's not any of that. And I want Chris to know that. I do not hate Chris. Chris needs to know, just be yourself, because yourself is good enough. Well, yeah, um, definitely. But I assume that there was uh, something that happened that cut the commentary duel short. Yeah, he... Uh, and once again, I'm I'm the first one to give credit as due. This CCL run of the doctor's order started in Chris in, in Chris's head, and he's he pulled me and Eddie in a in a chat bubble and was talking about it. Said, "Why don't we do this? You can take nitro and do this, that, and the other." It was a good idea. Well, what happened was, and like I said, Sean's told the story. He had wanted to. He had wanted to put an idea into motion, and I get this message. I, I, met, I was messaging Sean, and Sean said, you know, it's a great idea. Let's do it. And the, the next day, I get a message from Chris, and I can't remember what the idea was. I, I really can't. But I know Sean, like I said, Sean told the story. Um but I get, an ex I get a message from Chris the next day saying, you know what, Sean scrapped the idea. And I was thinking, man, Sean really liked it. Sean really loved this idea. It, was, it had to do with Call All-Stars. And uh, he, he said, Sean scrapped the idea because he didn't think there would be enough time to pull it off. So I messaged Sean. I didn't really care. I messaged Sean. I said, man, brother, you sure fall in and out of love really quick. <laughs> and he said, what are you talking about? I said, well, last night you loved this idea. Chris just messages me and says that you don't want to do it anymore. What's going on? And he said, wait a minute. I never said that. And I, I said, really? Well, Chris just said this. He just said you didn't like the idea. And he said, well, we might have just caught Chris telling, telling one of Chris's lies. Because Travis has been a big a big Chris apologist and we were getting there was a lot of people that were, had been getting tired of some of the things that Chris was doing and some of the things that Chris was saying 
in COH, this was really the first time it truly affected me. And so we we had a meeting with Travis, and pretty much I told Travis, I said, look, I can work with a lot of people. And it came down to basically me saying, in, in a call with Travis and with Sean and Carol, that I'm not going to work with somebody who's going to lie to me. I'm not going to work with somebody I can't trust. And that was my decision. And I, I told him that I... I'm not going to work. I'm, I'm not going to work with somebody that I can say one thing and they'll misconstrue something. Said so I don't. I don't cause drama. There's been a couple times I've said stuff in call that needed to be said, and I've joked on the pages that I've broke call. But those were things that needed to be said. That wasn't intentionally lying to start drama. When you intentionally lie to start drama, that's essentially what Chris did, and it, it, it wasn't necessary. And I told Travis that I'm not going to – you either pick Chris or you pick me as your commentator for that around. Essentially, he picked me. And that's when I invited RPJ to, to join me on Battleground. If you look back on this moment, do you regret it, or would you do it differently if it happened today? I would still do it. I um, I think that I think the purpose of any of any good show, you have to trust the people that you're working with. And Chris is a phenomenal commentator. He's good. He's good. But at the time, you couldn't trust him, and he may have grown from it. You might be able to trust him now, or you know whatnot. But like I said, when you lie to yourself for seem, when you lie to others for seemingly personal gain, I can't work with somebody like that. I, I, I was, I, I would not be able to do that. And trust, trust with me goes a long way, especially with people, a very few of whom I've met in real life. I've met Brandon uh, Wolf in real life. Uh, I've met Johnny Thunder in real life. I've met, uh, obviously, Big B in real life. You know, very few of you guys I've, I've met in real life. I would like to meet everybody. I'd especially like to meet Ray. But it's trust goes a long way with people you've never actually met. And that's really all you've got to bond you together. And when you take advantage of that and you sacrifice that, then I, I can't work with you. Um, just out of curiosity, because you're saying that he had something to gain out of lying. What do you think he had to gain out of it? I I don't know. Uh, I don't know ultimately what his angle was. Uh, and I'm not saying that to dodge the question. I'm just, I'm truthfully, I don't know what he was trying to gain. If he thought maybe it was a bad idea in retrospect, or if he thought... First idea, any idea that Sean likes. Um, this might be me. You might think this is me brown-nosing Sean, but it's not. Any idea that Sean likes is probably a good idea. This is the same, I would say, with RPJ. Um, but, so if Sean likes an idea, in retrospect, I don't know why Chris would come back and say that Sean scrapped it or whatnot. I, I Honestly, Steve, I don't know what he would have to gain from that. I, I don't know. You don't think there was miscommunication? I, I don't. You know, when you have the when you have the Facebook messages from Messenger, mm -hmm. uh, 
when you have you know messages that he sent to other people, when you put them all together and they tell 99% of the same story, it's pretty clear cut. And in this case, to in my best assessment, that's that's what had happened. All right, so you went from that to RPJ, mm-hmm. and what? How did you think your run with RPG went? Because that pretty much filled up the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, RPG is phenomenal. And, you know, it, it takes people like yourself and like like Sean, like um, Ray, uh, people like Jay, um, uh, people with the passion of, like Eddie and D-Wall. It takes it takes you guys to to make sure that call keeps going, and and call needs that. But it takes somebody like RPJ to to really take things to the next level because RPJ is so ahead in creation and commentary, and uh, in, in all these other aspects of call that. I felt comfortable knowing that at the end of the season, with the way my personal life was going, with the way my business affairs were going, with the way stuff that I had going on was going, I felt comfortable sort of passing the torch to RPJ in a way. And there, there was really, there was really no second guess. There was really no second person. It was, it was going to be RPJ, and I, I don't regret that decision for a second. Mm. I believe you also worked in CUH. Uh, it was actually an actual feud with Stefan Guerrero. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is interesting because I brought Sean on to the show, mm-hmm. and I questioned him on what the dislike was because I did not understand it because I didn't think that Stefan, at least from my perspective did anything to warrant all the hate, because maybe I thought the hate was all just because from uh, his talent, but I knew there was more to it than that, and it was explained to me. And Stefan came on here and basically defended himself. Uh, Mm -hmm. But what did you take away from Stefan as a talent, as a person, working with him, etc.? I liked working with Stefan, because the reason I started the whole thing was he had come out and said, about my commentary. It was in character, so I didn't take it personally, so I responded in character. And we had this tit-for-tat, and this tit-for-tat, and <laughs> we got this idea. You know, tra- it took some convincing for Travis, because Travis said, oh, talent can't, talent can't, uh, uh, talent can't fight against commentary, and there was this whole thing. So it took some convincing, and then... <laughs> The one thing I noticed about COH that was really cool was you guys did live promos. You know, you've done some really cutting-edge stuff um, with your live promos, especially the thing with par- the park in, in Kenyon Phoenix. I think I'll remember that for a long time. Uh, uh, which that one? Was tr- the, were you stabbing? Oh, um, that yeah. was not at a park. That was actually in a residential area. Oh, mm. it, 
The one that wow, was in a park. Like kind of a park. Uh, well, yeah, kind of. But uh, the one that was in a park was uh, it was me and Kenyon though. Mm-hmm. There was one in a park where like uh, it was an actual attack where uh, he actually like throws me around and we're on a bench. But yeah, that was. Didn't you guys get the cops caught on you? The 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 the, the, the stabbing one. Yes, we had the cops called. Okay. On. Yeah. You see, that's a good promo. <laughs> you get the cops called on you. There there are things that. That are that are great that signify that your moment is great. When you fake stab somebody and get the real cops called on you, you know you've accomplished something. Mm, <laughs> so, yeah, that wasn't fun though. <laughs> no, it was. You just probably didn't see the humor in it at the time. Well, I laughed my ass off when I heard it. <laughs> so. I mean, now I laugh at it, but what's crazy to me was that they basically said, "Oh, you can keep filming," and we're like, "Nope, nope, we got what we needed." This is this is done. Yeah, we just wanted a second take. That's all. That's why we continued filming just to see which one was better. But, um, but I, I bring that up because I was like, you know, I'm, I remember we had snow here in Kentucky, and I, I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna film a promo in the snow, saying that Stefan felt a lot like the snow. He had no actual substance. And when I filmed that, I, I could not believe the likes and the comments that that got. And I, I was asking Adam about it. I talked to, I talked to, to Adam, and he says, "Doc, it was awesome because nobody expected you to do it." Mm. And he said, "That was phenomenal." And I, I really, it was awesome. So that was that went a long way with the feud with Stefan and I Stefan and I were batting ideas back about how it would go. And truthfully, he wanted me to win the the feud. He said, I want to do this thing where I totally overlook you and I don't even really give you a serious thought. And then you come in and you whoop my ass. And I said, Well, I like part of that. I said if we did a two out of three thing, then probably. But at the end of the day, I told Travis and Stefan too. I said I don't want to derail your career because if you lose to a commentator, then you know that might that might slow your career trajectory down a little bit, even if it is me. So the next best thing that we had thought, and this might have been an unintended consequence, that Travis would make him lose the championship and put a target on his back. So essentially, I may not have beaten Stefan, but I'm the reason that you know the target was put on his head and that everybody turned to be after him at the same time. So that was a cool unintended consequence that was kind of attributed to me. Because, yeah, I think that was your only, if I'm correct, your only feud where you actually had some sort of, like, promo work and, and a match being built type of deal. Yes. Anything else I've done has been, you know, run-ins, like with the virus in DWA or other stuff where there was no build to it, and or minimal build, except for... With CCL now, with CCL now, I have to be involved because of the because of the stakes of Doc versus Ray. But 
um, with up up until that time, yes, that was the only thing. Uh, up until the time of me and Stefan, that was the only time that that had happened. And to be fair, I'm, I'm not familiar with the CCL product, but like, what is the difference between DOC and CCL and DOC and DCA and DOC and COH? Uh, <laughs> motivation. Um, oh, okay. I had I had gotten a lot of. The, there were some interesting things happening with CCL, and I love the product Eddie's put on, and I continue to love my work in CCL. Um, I had noticed for a while that – not for a while. I and mean, once again, it's one of those unintended things that I tend to notice, that some people were being overlooked for championships or whatnot. And like I said, it's no fault of Eddie's. Eddie's has, Eddie has these things planned out so far in advance – and I'll tell you one thing. Eddie, when he believes in something, he's going to stick to it. And I, damn, I respect Eddie for that. <laughs> he, oh, he's not like Vince McMahon where he's got a guy no. and they respect yeah, him he, and he keeps pushing him. Yeah, he's, he's not that. He's not like that. But Eddie has a vision where he wants his company to go and where he wants his product to go. And that... You you can't you can't subsidize that for anything. That that's that that's passion. And I had noticed one of those unintended consequences that some people were being overlooked for championships. So I said something on commentary one time with them that I was gonna fix this. I was gonna correct this. And then that is the one idea, like I said, that Chris had brought to the table was why don't you restart the doctor's order or start out with Nitro. So that's what we did. We started out with Nitro. It, it was to play that I, I handpicked Nitro. And we were going to recruit, I was going to recruit a superstar team. And we were going to just run CCL. And we essentially won every single men's title that, that, that CCL had. And now the whole joke is, is the doctor's order fine because now you have all these egos like Blake Harnage, AJ, Nitro, Brandon Wolf, Ben Hopkins, you know, all these egos butting heads. And I'm in there trying to, oh, the doctor's order's fine. There's nothing to see here. There's nothing to see here. But at the meantime, we're getting our asses kicked by Ray or we're kicking his ass. You know, we still got that joint venture going on against Ray. But it's the i think that's the difference with ccl is that i'm playing the true heel like the the doc that started off in dwa that has grown into the master of pulling the strings and to getting the people to buy in so in a sense he's the end of my journey in call because ultimately when the ccl run is done Doc is retired. Now I'll do guest stuff. I did a guest spot the other day in commentary for somebody. I'm not going to disclose who because they. I think they want it to be a surprise. But I do have a guest spot coming up in commentary, and I'll still gladly do stuff like that. And I'm always going to be here to throw advice to people if they have questions and jump in on calls and stuff like that from time to time. But Doc will be done with common or with with the CC at, at the end of the CCL run. Why the sudden retirement? Family. Ah. 
you know, I told Eddie a while ago, said, you can stretch the storyline out for as long as you want. It doesn't matter to me because it's a it, it's a lot easier for me to do a five minute promo on, in the car on my way to work than it is for me to sit down in front of a computer and commentate a two or three hour show. And with a little one in the house, can't really get too loud or whatnot. So you know, it's family, and above all, family does come first. Yeah. Mainly why I can't have kids because that's freedom is gone. <laughs> it's a different type of freedom that you get, and truly, fatherhood is so far has been has been one of the greatest moments of my life. And I know people say that all the time, and it's so cliche. And people are like, "Oh my God, it's so cliche. Why does it say that?" Well, Ray and RPJ will tell you, and Ken Champ, they'll all tell you it's true. It's a true cliche. I'm sure it would work for some people, but for me, I'd be the type you're, of... Go ahead. You're, you're a strapping young lad, man. You don't have time. You, you don't have to strap down right now. What, what? How old are you? What are you, 23, 24? I'm 30. 30? See, you're young. I'm 37. You're young. What are you talking about? Uh, that's true. I just had my first kid. I'm, a, I'm an old dad, but I'm young at heart. So... I just don't see kids in my future because I would be too old school. Too old school in the sense of that I think that <laughs> if my kid got way out of line, he'd get an ass whooping. Not that type of ass whooping, like a belt or anything <laughs> like that, but like I think I like do a spanking. Uh, well, a kid definitely def needs to like learn that they are the child and you're the parent of the household. That's just. That's just how I feel about the whole ordeal. I don't like kids running the households, but that's a whole other story. Yeah, you'd be a good dad, and I mean that, because a lot of people nowadays are like, I don't want to discipline my child. Well, that's how you get ungrateful little yuppie larva that a lot of people call millennials. Yeah. So, <laughs> because, of low, because of low punishment, you know? you. Well, the other I mean, part of gotta... it is because is I'm selfish. Like, I, I knew... Deep down, you have to pay all your attention to your child. And I, I don't like having to give up my... Uh, I, guess, I guess the best way to describe it is, like, I like to live in solitude a lot. Like, when I get home from work, I don't want to deal with anything. I like solitude. <laughs> I like to stay in my room, have my dinner, whatever it may be, go on the internet, watch some videos, maybe some you shoot videos or kayfabe commentaries, uh, watch some video game clips, or watch Call, and just relax. I don't need I mean, any more distractions. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I, to be honest, part of me, sometimes part of me misses that. But then I remember... then. And this is going to sound so lame, but my gosh, it's true. Then I look at my son, and I'm like, everything I've ever done has been worth it. Mm. Now, does your son have any future in being like RPJ's son, where he's going to have a career <laughs> and, and, and carry on the doc name, maybe no, I, be a nurse? I, I, <laughs> a nurse. Yeah. Here comes the nurse. Yeah. Uh, well, it would be kind of funny because my kid's name is Grayson and the, guy, the famous guy in nurse is Gaylord. So, you know, there's that. So, but, no, I don't think there'll be anything like that. I, uh, 
I now what I will do is when he's old enough to watch these videos, I'll show him, you know, commentary and show him my old work and see if he might want to do something like that and get a hold of Sean or Travis or you or or somebody and you know, see what we can do for him. But for right now, the 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 doc I I've always kind of thought about passing on the doc title to somebody. You know, if I was gonna do it to somebody right now, it would be Brandon Wolf. I, I think it would be I think it would be safely bestowed upon Brandon. Would because uh, you just brought up that you when your kid gets older you'll definitely show him. If you had to show him I mean obviously discluding yourself <laughs> who's one guy that you would be like, son, this is what this is all about. This is who you should be watching. This is if you decide you want to do this as a hobby, learn from this guy. Or down. I would say Ben Hopkins. I, I would say Ben Hopkins. I I think Ben has when when Ben's first COH promo dropped, his very first one, I laughed so hard we had to reshoot the take. I was like, this guy gets it. <laughs> like uh, I didn't. I just said like I, I did not like him. I loved him. I I. Wanted more Ben Hopkins instantly. I looked at him and I told RPJ, or not RPJ, it wasn't RPJ, I'm sorry, it was Cash. I told Cash, I said, this guy gets it. <laughs> and it was, I I just immediately liked Ben Hopkins because he immediately jumped off the page. You have to grab someone's attention. There are so many people that read promos and I've said it before it goes back to me saying a moment ago one of the times that I, I felt I broke call was I called somebody out on it and it was a, it wasn't Lupo oh who did I call out help me out here Steve uh, let's see I Lupo, called somebody out JC and Wolf. Steve no it was I thought it began with an L might have been Noveno. El Noveno. I, uh, it, it, it might. Have, I, I don't know who it was. It was a bad talent. It, it, it was no. I didn't feel they were a bad talent. I felt they could do better, and they were reading their promos. He was in with Chris. Um, with. Uh, uh God. Don't even remember Chris. I can't. I can't. I can't remember his last name. His name is Chris, but it's not Chris Gary or Chris Martinez. The other Chris. With the sunglasses. Chris sunglasses. Oh, man. Now you've got me uh, all tripping. Uh, and you don't gosh, remember his I, wrestler name. I, I can't remember his wrestler name. I'm terrible Chris Blackman. Stuff like that. that might... No, it wasn't Chris Blackman. He... They're part of a tag team, and... Anyway, this is not important. I, I called him out for reading, and Travis got mad at me. He, he got mad at all of us in a call because it offended it offended the guy so much that he threatened to quit. And Travis said, basically, just back off of him. David Rivera? And David Rivera. Thank you. That's who it was. Uh, he did a promo, and I had retorted with a live promo... Um, about this rock, this sock, um, and this cat, and this dock. 
and I, uh, it, it, it was not taken in the sense of humor that it should have been taken. And in a way, I didn't want it to be, but in a way I did. Because maybe I attacked him too hard, but it was something he needed to hear. Especially to the point, if you're if you're talking to Travis about it, and it's striking a chord, and I'm not the only person that feels that way, have some passion for your character. Have some passion for the way your character delivers things. And if you're going to read a promo, at least put some enthusiasm in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can count on one hand how many times I've ever had to record a promo. You know why? It's not because I don't care. It's because I'm in character. If you are designing a character, you don't need to get in character because you own the character. So I know who Doc is. Do you know who your character is? And that's what it basically comes down to. If you can't do a promo in one or two takes, don't do the promo. Because it's going to come off bad. And I think that a lot of people need to realize the art of promo, the art of a good promo is to grab someone's attention. And Ben Hopkins got it. He just got it. Because he grabbed my attention. And the only other person that grabbed my attention that fast in recent memory was Party Man. Because you see this guy dancing this music and you're like, oh, good God, what is this? (laughs) But it still grabbed my attention. And I was jabbing with Party Man back and forth. It's not because I didn't like the guy. It's because I thought he was doing a good job on something that was creative, but at the same time was like, you have no shame. And it's great, and I love it. (laughs) So it's just, you know, be, be your character, but also believe in your character, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, you got to always believe in yourself and whoever you want to be in this field. I mean, there's all different types of different promo cutters and different uh, characters that we have. But um, I think uh, in the case of David Rivera, if I'm correct, I think he has like a speech problem, which is why he it, always came off like he's reading off of a script. And and that's fine. And, 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 you know, a speech, a speech problem, you know, that sucks to have. But at the same time, do you really have to let that get in your way? Because I've known people that, to this day, that have speech problems, but they can still speak like they're not reading. They can still have a normal conversation, and their speech problem is under control or... Or they've gone to speech therapy, and I realize not everyone has the resources to go to speech therapy, but everyone can have the, the everyone can have a good conversation. And and when when I was told he did have the speech impediment, I kind of uh, the speech issue, I kind of did back off of it. But at the same time, like I said, I know people, uh, several people. I've worked with people professionally that make a lot of money that have speech issues and they can still have a normal conversation and their speech issue does not run their life. They run their speech issue. And I realize maybe that comes in time, not maybe, definitely, but me being a little bit older, that was one of the things that maybe I'm a little bit blind to it, but maybe there's a little bit of truth there, especially when I'm not the only one who says something. I, uh, like I said, I don't know what the exact... uh speech problem I, I, I think you were right. I, I think it was something, but 
I think somebody ultimately wound up saying that, yes, he has a speech problem. I could be completely wrong, but I think somebody did say, yes, he has a speech problem, but he can also have a normal conversation. Mm. And let's just face it, there have been people who have been in this field for a long time. And I, I here's what I've learned. Everybody has different timetables of when they get better. Mm-hmm. And, I agree. And not everybody, like, I remember hearing just because uh, this wrestler uh, was quick to learn everything does not necessarily mean he's going to be better than this wrestler. It just means that this wrestler needs more time to understand how to craft himself, this, that, and the other. So not everything is uh, black and white, as they say. It's a bunch of shades of gray. Certain people take longer to improve than others. Um, again, I wouldn't know Dave Rivera, but uh, I know with uh, certain guys that I remember seeing getting better, but letting their talents go to waste were, well, for one, I think was rap metal. They were getting better as individuals, but they let their talents completely go to waste because they just couldn't stick around. I agree with that assessment. I think that when you have a lot of talent, you should, like I said, it 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 it's up to it's up to people as call owners to reach out to good talent and to make sure they keep interested. And with rap metal, I kind of felt the same way that they had a world of talent there. It's just, you know, are are they here? Are they there? Are they not here? Are they present? Where are they? And I, I kind of felt the same issue with rap metal. Well, more so because I remember this it was twice. Uh, more so the second time. Because the first time, it's like, okay, whatever, life gets in the way. But the second time, especially since it had nothing to do with life getting in the way, like in your case, you've got a family. That's, that's a whole different story. When you just don't care or bored, once again... It, it creates bad animosity towards those that are like, well, why are we wasting our time with you? Right. And for someone who develops fans, you know, you, you develop fans. Back, back in the 80s, it was hard for people to get information out on a wide scale. For example, if a wrestler left WWE to go to another place, you were left in the dark. You didn't know what happened, you didn't know why they left. You know, it was written off. They were never spoken of again. And then all of a sudden, nope, in the 90s, they show back up. In 2000s, you know, 2010s, nowadays, it's hard. To, everybody knows something. You know, CM Punk drops a pipe bomb one day on Raw, and people think, oh, my gosh, it's, it's the greatest thing ever. And it is. But, you know, is he really gone, or is he playing it up this next time that he actually leaves? It's kind of the same way with rap metal. Where did they go? You know, we have so much information at our fingertips. We can't figure out what's going on. Someone can't connect out to them. Somebody can't pull them back in. Somebody can't say, hey, can we count on you for a five-minute promo one, one day a month? Mm-hmm. You know, when you, have, when you have fans as call owners and as call talents, you have a responsibility to yourself, the person running the Fed, and... To, to your fans to reach out to them and let them know what's going on. Mm. Like with me, like you said, it's 
my family. It's well established. It's my family. It's my work. It's everything. With rap metal, what's going on? A whole lot of people like you. People respond to your stuff positively. Where are you? What's going on? Let people know. In 2019, it is impossible to blame anything on the communication style is not there because we have phones, we have email, we have Skype, we have Discord, Facebook, Twitter, you name it, we've got it. It is inexcusable for people to blame communication or to not have a communication process in place. And that excuse is just not going to fly with anybody, not just rat metal, with anybody. Mm. Besides them, who do you find to be a talent that underwhelmed you that you thought had a lot of potential? Uh, for a while, I would say it was Preston. Um, well, yeah. But with Preston, it's more like... With Preston, it's more... Do you... Is he saying what he's saying in character because he's trying to develop another stage of his character? Probably not. But is it? Or is he just tired of people looking down on him because he thinks that he he thinks that he's got all this talent? Which I believe he does. I'm sorry. I might be in the minority, but I do. But it's very underwhelming because he hasn't quite learned how to develop it. And part of that falls on the people he works with for not coaching him up and helping him grab that opportunities, but he's the first person that I can think of with in regards to that where I see I see a lot of talent there, I see a lot of potential, but it's very underwhelming. Um would you put him currently at the same boat as Sonny? <sighs> see I can't really speak to Sonny because or speak about Sonny because I arrived with you guys with this section of call after Sunny. So I never I never really lived through the Sunny era or what Sunny did or what Sunny did. Of course you hear stories. But I I can't really draw a comparison to Sunny simply because I was across the street from this call brand, from this series of call shows. I was with the DWA, the SCAW. I was never on SCAW, make myself clear. What I'm saying is I was part of the old school and got got put in the new school. And uh, there was the middle of the road separates the two. Sunny for me was the middle of the road because I, I completely missed it. Mm-hmm. Um, any other guys you felt were underwhelming? None that come to mind on the spot, at least. I'm sure when I hang up the phone, you know, a couple guys might come to mind. But Don't you hate that? Yeah, kind of. Especially being in the radio. Especially like being in radio business when you are used to thinking on your feet. But I can't, I can't really think of anybody that has truly, truly underwhelm me that I've seen talent. Actually, I can. I can think of one other. Sure. El Lupo. El Lupo. I, I, I can... Uh, when I knew I had I had offered to reach out and help Lupo out because he was having some trouble developing a character, and so helped me. The conversation we had on Skype, I knew what he was shooting for, and I knew the kid had talent. 
He just couldn't develop it. And I tried to help him out with the promos, and he could do it right in the call, like with me and him, but he couldn't do it right outside of the call. So the promos you heard that he released were not the promos that he and I had worked on in a call. Mm-hmm. And that's, after I could think about it for a minute, Lupo would be another person that that I saw a lot of talent in, but turned out to be kind of underwhelming. What about overachievers? RPJ. I think he goes above and beyond in a good way. Well, um, let, let me reiterate the question. Sure. Guys that you didn't think had any potential whatsoever, but surprise. Party man. Um, like I said, when I first saw his promo, it grabbed my attention. But I didn't. I thought it was just going to be all a gimmick. But he's really doubled down on the gimmick, and uh, he's he's really come a long way now. People are wanting are reaching out to him and wanting him to be a part of their shows, and to, to be interviewed and to hear his story. Um, I think I think Luke has done a really good job, and uh, he's definitely an overachiever in that in that aspect. It's crazy because I've known Luke way before Call. Like I've known really, him, I've known him, Luke, for the better part of twelve years. Wow. Least. I've known him, yeah, because he was around during when I was doing vlogging, and um, he always sounded the same but he's always like he's like that one guy that i can tell you right now i don't think i've ever seen him mad at anybody or at anyone and i think it'd be pretty hard to be mad at him he just he's very harmless he doesn't harm anybody he does his thing and i think the one thing that people will definitely get a joy out of if you decide to bring luke in is you don't have to worry about him being a problem because he doesn't bother anybody yeah, I, I can see that easily. He seems like he's just a happy-go-lucky guy. He wants to bring a smile to your face, and and I like that. Uh, people, I would give Luke hell on commentary, but uh, it goes back to the old saying, I wouldn't really make fun of you or get on you if I didn't like you. Right. So, and really it's a compliment to him and uh, to how to how he's perceived, and I, I can definitely see him as one of the overachievers. Oh, yeah. Um I don't know if the party man will necessarily, at least in this carnation right now, be a world champion. It just depends on how he tweaks the gimmick later on. <laughs> right. But, um, and, and it's happened. Like, who would have thought the heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels would have been world champion? He tweaked everything. You're going to call me crazy. And I wouldn't blame you. You wouldn't be the first person. You're not going to be the last. The minute, and I'm, it's so crazy. I was talking to my friends at work about this the other day because there, there are some wrestling fans too. And we were talking about old school 90s wrestling. The moment he put Marty Jannetty through the glass window at the barbershop, I knew he was going to be a big deal. I did. And if there was a blog, if, if the internet was huge at the time, of course, the internet was around, but it wasn't near as big as it is now. You know, if that. If I was just a little bit older and the internet was just a little, I would have blogged about it, and I would have been the first one to say this kid's gonna be this kid's gonna be good. And I, I probably wouldn't have said that about if you'd have picked out any other example, any other example except for Shawn Michaels, because I have the minute he put Marty Jannetty through the window, I was like, this guy is gonna go someplace. This guy is big. 
and Big B will know that. Big B has known me long enough. Brandon has known me for years. Brandon Demiro, and he was he was there when I said that. I was like, he this guy's going to be something. Um, I don't think anybody disputed that he was going to be really good. I think what people were hesitant on was that he was going to be like a Mr. Perfect, where he was going to be a great performer, a great hand, but they were never going to give him the strap or at least give him a chance to run the company because at the end of the day, the WWE is a big man territory, at least when Vince Jr. had it. He's always been enthralled with big dudes, and that's just how it is. Um, like, using Ka as an example, obviously, being that we're all just promo cutters and the game does the work for us, it doesn't matter what size you are, just if you get over and if the storyline makes sense and stuff like that and all these different variables. In WWE, it's probably the only place where being over isn't enough. you got to have a look. And if you don't right. have a look, he's not going to fully invest in you. And when, when, like I said, when Sean put Marty through the window, I, I knew he was going to be a champ one day. I, I knew it. And I, he, he's probably, people say Mr. Perfect was, but I say Sean was probably the greatest Intercontinental Championship champion we've ever seen. I think he's the GOAT, to be honest. That's me personally. And I grew up in the 80s wrestling when you had Macho Man, when you had Hulk Hogan, when you had Ultimate Warrior, you had, uh, you know, early Undertaker in the night in the late 80s, early 90s, or Survivor Series, I should say, what was Survivor Series 92, 93? When Undertaker was, debuted? Yeah. Uh, that was 90. 90. So, yeah, I, I... And you're forgetting the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time. Who? The Honky Tonk Man. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's hard to dispute some of those. It, it really is. But to me, to, to me, Sean is Sean Sean Michaels is is my goat. I and I was a big Warrior fan in the eighties. Oh, I would paint my face. I dressed up as him for Halloween for like six years in a row. Uh, you know, the face paint, going around without my shirt on and with shoestrings attached to my elbows and Jeez. stuff like that. So. Old Warrior was my favorite. When he went over WrestleMania 6 over Hulk Hogan, in the manner he did, I was like, this is great. I loved it. I was, I, I can remember I was so happy. I was marking out because the Warrior was my favorite. Oh, I was always but, a rebel small guy guy. Steve Austin, Bret Hart. The only big guy I liked was The Undertaker. That's pretty much it. And Kane and... Brock Lesnar, but that's about it. All the guys I liked were small guys. Jericho, uh, uh, who else? Daniel Bryan, uh, you name it. The, the Miz. But, you see, that's the difference between the 80s style and the new school. And there's, there's only a couple of people that could transcend those two, those two timelines. And for the most part, they've done it. You know, Hogan has kind of, he aged well with the NWO, kind of reshaped the next step of his character. You have The Undertaker, who was part of, like you said, the 90s, and he's still going. And then you had Shawn, who literally bridged the gap between old school WWE, or WWF, and then new, the, the Attitude Era, and onwards. And 
It is pretty much, yeah, you had some help along the way in certain areas from other people, but if it was mainly those three guys that transcended time, and I, and I think I think wrestling is better because of that, because of those three men in particular, their involvement, um, bridging the gap, as it were. I think wrestling is better because of it today. If not be for that, people criticize the WWE product now. I would hate to think what it would be like without those three guys transcending transcending the gap. Well, if you're speaking transcending, can you name me your top five guys who have transcended CAW? Uh, RPJ probably is, is close to that list. Um... Big B, because he's one of the godfathers of it all. I know he's, he started DWA. I had no idea at the time that was so big. You know, I started in DWA talking to Brandon about wrestling in the back of our grocery store that we worked at. Mm-hmm. So uh, I had no idea that it was that big. Um, I'd say Sean for his work on Call Stars. I think he's done a tremendous job uh, with that. Uh, I think speaking in pure fandom and for you know, not character as a character on the screen, but having a char- the character of man that Ray does, I would put Ray up there. Um, and I'm gonna put I'm gonna cheat a little bit, and I'm gonna put five A and five B as Brandon Wolf and Ben Hopkins. Um, and there's some tremendous guys out there. And there's a lot of talent out there that is is phenomenal. But as far as people that I think are going to transcend call now, or people that call just wouldn't be the same without, it wouldn't be the same without them, or or that I, I think I think it's those those five or six. And and that's not to say that there aren't great talents out there like Eddie, like you, like. Like AJ, and to be honest, it's a it's a close race. It's you know how you know when you have card games and they they classify S cards as you know S is the best and then A B C D and E. It's really S plus with them and S minus with the rest of with the people like you and AJ and and Eddie and D Wall and Carol. It, it, you guys reaching out to people and coaching them up, having your daily calls, your weekly calls, all the work you guys have done on behind the scenes, it's its stuff like that that helps shape a community. And without shaping the community, there is no community. So you guys have all had a part in it. But to me, in my opinion, it's those five or six that, that call is either where it is now or where it will be later. Mm. I've been meaning to ask you this. I don't think I've put this on with anybody else. Um, one of your last shows, it wasn't your final show. It was mm-hmm. your second to last show, but the, one of your last shows was Ultimate Glory 5. Yes. Uh, thoughts on the show? Thoughts on... It being one of your last shows, um, obviously it's been a year and a half since the show, which is crazy to think. Uh, the show was great. 
I remember uh, I loved calling it. I, I loved being a part of it. And I told, I told Ryan, I said, uh, I don't want to mention the fact that this is my last CPD I, until maybe maybe the very end, which I can't remember if we did. I think when somebody might have said something. But I didn't want to take anything away from anybody that was on the show because being part of the actual rest of real world wrestling business, which I am, which I was in, with OVW, I, the great ones they say go out on their back or, and they don't, and if you're a commentator, you don't take away from the moment. And I didn't want to take away from anybody's moment. Um, so I decided instead of retiring at, at Ultimate Glory, I would retire Battleground. And it's when they put the, the hat the, uh, the hat on the commentary desk at the end of the show. But I specifically remember uh, I, I told I told Travis and I told Ryan that I was going to do Battleground because I specifically I did not want to take the spotlight away from anybody at Ultimate Glory 5. I was wondering how it was going to shape out because you basically were the guy for Season 5. And anybody that knows about Season 5, I mean, you're going to be one of those guys that people probably will think about now because Battleground was your show. Anyway. <laughs> uh, I, I appreciate that. No and how is the retired life at this point? It's it's good. In, in a way, it kind of... It probably really won't set in until you know the CCL storyline is wrapped up because there's still a story to tell there. But as of right now, you know, I'll still hop in Discord or whatever and talk to the guys and talk to you guys. And I'm if I see something on Caw Shoot, may it rest in peace. Uh, something yeah, like that's, that. That's a weird one. <laughs> that, that is weird. But, you know, right now, it doesn't... It feels like I'm still connected to community, but I'm doing other stuff. You know, I'm freed up for four, anywhere between four and eight hours a month that I didn't have before because of commentary. And, you know, I'm focusing on family, focusing on work, looking for the next big thing. And it, it's good. I, it's, do I miss it? Yes. Will I do it again? Yeah, maybe. But for now, I'm I'm enjoying hanging out with my son, holding him and bouncing him on my leg and making him laugh and hanging out with him and the wife. And I think uh, I think right here is a good. I think it's a good spot. You know what? It's unfortunate because earlier in this podcast, you mentioned uh, we're all in our own universe, and I said the only universe I'm in is Universal Studios. And it just reminded me of the time that the first time I met Sean, even though Sean lives in Pennsylvania, I live in New Jersey, we met in freaking Universal Studios the first time. In person, at least. <laughs> and I'm saying to myself, how come Doc wasn't a part of this spectacular uh, meetup? Even though I think it was uh, about a month into your commentary? I, I told... Um, it's hard to break away when you're in a relationship and I've been through an ex-fiance I've been through relationships 
and I've gone through all that and found the woman I I eventually married and had a child. But the call has been part of my life through it all. And um, there are just some spots in life that you can't go away for, even on a fun trip to Orlando Studios. I told Sean. Said so I want you guys to come here on your trip one year because Kentucky's got a lot to offer. If if anybody says that the Kentucky Derby is not the biggest party on the planet, they're lying to you. Because the Kentucky Derby infield is the greatest party on the planet. And if you guys want to come up here one year and we can go to the Derby, that would be amazing and you guys are going to have a great time. I say let's do it. Say so you guys take your trip and come up here. Uh, the first Saturday in May, and we'll, we'll the doc will show you all how to party. <laughs> um, I mean, the only reason I would go to Kentucky is because I have an aunt. Well, I was going to say an aunt, but she passed away back in 2018. But I have an uncle that lives out in Kentucky. Uh, but I don't know what I forget what part of Kentucky, but it's the part where you literally have to drive an hour to the airport. He's very far oh, away from the airport. You just described 90 percent of Kentucky. Oh, okay. <laughs> then there you go. Then I rest my case. But yeah, he, uh, yeah, he is. My uncle lives in Kentucky. I would. That would be the only reason. It's the same thing with WrestleMania coming up. Uh, my cousin lives out somewhere in Coconut Creek, and I would go visit him if he was near Tampa. But I highly doubt he'll be anywhere near Tampa. But. Uh, <laughs> What about you, though? What about your traveling expenses and extravagances? Um, I've, I've crossed the globe. I've been to Ben Hawkins' side of the world before. I've but what about in the England. future? Oh, in the future, I want to go back. Um, there's a couple things I wanted to do in England that I couldn't do the first time due to age. You know, I was in high school when we went. Uh, I want to go to Italy. I want to go to Australia. And when I go, I'm staying the night with Brady. I don't care what he says. He probably doesn't know it, but it's totally happening. Um, well, he'll know it now if he's listening to the podcast. He'll, he'll know it now. Uh, but uh, I'll crash with Brady. Um, but uh, I, I want to go back. The one place that's true to that, that my best friend in the whole world, his, uh, his wife is Venezuelan. And I was – at the start of the socialist regime down there, I, I visited Venezuela. And, of course, all the – and it truly is a cause that's close to my heart. Um, the, all the pain and the suffering that the people of Venezuela are going through right now because of the Communist Party and because of socialism. Mm-hmm. Um, they're suffering. People are dying in the streets. I literally saw a photo – of a, of a place that used to be a mall, like an outdoor kind of mall, like a, like an outlet mall that had dead bodies on it now. I've seen a photo of that. And I want to go back to Venezuela when when they get all this taken care of because it's truly it's one of the most beautiful places you've ever been to in your life. And I want to go back there with them just to show my wife and to show my kid, look look at the beauty of this place. It's not every day that you get to play Miss America with, uh, that you get to play uh, volleyball with Miss Miss Universe, you know. And I did that, and it's it's not every day that you get to go ATVing through a salt flat 
it's not it's not every day that you can look out over your over your room and see a, a mountaintop peeking through a cloud and the beauty surrounding it with the wildlife and the trees and it truly is a beautiful place and it it, it, it sincerely pains me to see those people going through what they're going through right now. Yeah. Let's say you have a more uh artistic way of life. You see me, there's only two places I've ever really enjoyed and loved going back to, and that was obviously Orlando and New Orleans, Louisiana. I've oh, the party never stops. Oh, Bourbon Street was fucking fantastic. <laughs> the drinking, the drinking oh. of the, the ghost stories, the, the, the touring, just everything about New Orleans was just like, I literally didn't know what a bar crawl was, and I wanted a bar crawl there, and I don't even, like, I'm not even a heavy drinker, but I wanted to just go everywhere and try everything, like, oh, you got a hand grenade? Yeah, give me one of those. Uh, Hurricane? Give me one of those. Um, And I've been to New Orleans twice, and I've never had a miserable time there. Um, And Orlando, uh, the only story I can tell you guys right now, and, and you would know this since you've been there, have you ever been on the mummy ride? Oh, God, yeah. Okay, so I get off the mummy ride, and you know where the gift shop is? Yes. I see two familiar faces. This was, uh, I think, last year. Yeah, it was last year. Around May. Guess who I see in the gift shop? Who did you see? The bar, Seamus and Cesaro. <laughs> and the reason I saw them there was that for two years straight, WWE held a contest for where if you signed up and your name was basically picked out of a hat or whatever, you got to spend, what was it, three, you know, five days and four nights at Universal Studios with, the first year was Enzo and Cass, and the second year was The Bar. And... They just so happened to be with the winning contest wins, but I couldn't tell. I looked, and I'm like, Cesaro kind of can blend in because he's just got a bald head and all that. Sheamus is so recognizable that it's hard to mis- misplace him. So I'm he like, out. yeah, I'm like, that's definitely Sheamus and Cesaro. And the one thing I remember was they were wearing Pharaoh hats. I'm like, oh, how interesting. That I bump into Seamus and Cesaro at Universal Studios. That I mean, you've That's got cool. you've got better traveling experiences than me, because you've got to travel the world. You've gotten to go to different countries. I don't particularly care for leaving the United States. That's just my personal preference. I've been mm-hmm. to plenty of states. I've been to Phoenix. I've been to Atlanta. I've been to uh, Miami, I've been to Dallas, and I probably would go to Dallas again, but the other three, I could live the rest of my life there again. I want to go back to Vegas, um, play in the World Series again. I got to play in the World Series of Poker once. I, I want another shot at it. Oh, um, hold up. You played in the World uh, yeah. Series of Poker. Did you face... Yes, sir. Did you face Phil Hellmouth? I, I did not. I, I think if anybody would have talked to me like he would, though, I'd probably be in jail for manslaughter. 
So, <laughs> I would laugh my ass off. I'd sit there and be like, yes, I want to hear him. What do you complain? But, uh, um, I, uh, I did not butt heads with Phil. Um, but uh, I, I've been to Vegas. I do want to go back there. Uh, I do want to go back to, want to, go back to Flagstaff. Uh, not so much Phoenix. I do want to go back to Flagstaff, though. Uh, they've got a great little pizza joint there that I think might have one in Phoenix, but it's called Oregano's, and it's really good pizza. Uh, I want to go back and, and go back there. Um, uh, you, you, you said you've been to Bourbon Street. You've seen my aunt's house, and you just didn't know it was my aunt's house. At the end of Bourbon Street, not the end, but when it's getting off the strip, there's a giant duplex. That's my aunt's house. She owns that complex. Hmm. Uh, so you've seen you've seen her house before, and you just probably didn't real you didn't know it was her house, but that's where she lived. Probably uh, she not. I was just away. I was just having <laughs> were, were you schnockered. You were schnockered. That's okay. That's good. I was okay. just all, I was just all over Bourbon Street, seeing everybody having a great time. And... I mean, it's a party that never ends down there. I mean, oh it's... yeah, that, that was that's the one place I definitely would move to if I like won the lottery. I'd buy a house over in that area and just go drinking every night. And, and who would blame you? I certainly wouldn't. <laughs> so. Well, it's, it's between that or Orlando. Those are the two places. Dallas I liked. I enjoyed Dallas. Dallas. I enjoyed seeing the JFK stuff. I enjoyed... Um, I enjoyed... Uh, seeing the city part, which is basically just everybody in their cowboy hats and tight-ass pants doing all the rodeos <laughs> and all that stuff. That was actually pretty freaking fun. Um, if you ever, if you ever, you know, get serious with a lady, take her to Lake Tahoe, Nevada. Well... It's, a, it's, it's gorgeous. You'll well, love it. And you just said, say, serious with a lady. I've been with the same girl for six years. No, I mean, when I say get serious. Oh, that I'm, type I'm, of serious. I'm, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Take her to Lake Tahoe. Okay. Uh, see, That's what I'm saying. I, I'm thinking the Al Gore uh, cereal. I, uh, so if, you, if you want me to take a cereal, okay. I will no, definitely... If you, yeah. I, I, I you, will, take, you take her there to take it to the next level is what I'm saying. Uh, okay, fair enough. I can definitely... Uh, vouch for that but uh i mean other than that we're talking about traveling we talk about wrestling we're talking about car um is there any chance of like a batista run at some point where you come back for like maybe a short law a short period but it ain't a permanent one i, I would do so i could see that i could see I can see something like that, um, you know, like somebody needs a general manager or someone needs a, a mouthpiece for a little bit or someone needs a commentator. I, I wouldn't be able to commentate for a couple of years, though, uh, at least on any regular basis, even for a short-term basis. But if somebody would ever need a promo or a set of promos or something like that, I, I, I could probably do something like that short-term. Short-term. Yeah, that, I'd say that's a possibility. Fair enough. And and the other thing I gotta ask is you are one of the few people that can definitely say you've gotten to meet Ray in person. 
Is he as abrasive as oh, he I, is? I, I have not. I've not. I've not met Bray in person. I've talked to him off the. Oh. He's number one on the list that I do want to meet in person. I could have sworn. Uh, no, I've met. Uh, I've met Brandon, uh, Big B, and Brandon Wolf and Johnny Thunder. Those are the. Those are the. Those are the three I've met in person as of right now. Fair. I was going to meet Rockstone when I met Johnny, but Rockstone had something else going on. Right. But, yeah. Um, as of right now, the only CAW people that I've met, let's see, I've met Sean, Chris, uh, I've met Kevin, Travis, obviously, um, uh, Adam, uh, who else? Just, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of people just from straight up CAW. Oh, um. I know not everybody is is thrilled with him, but uh, Max from XVPW. Uh, any thoughts on Max? Cristobal? Yes. Ah, yeah. I, I had a, he wanted us to do uh, an invasion angle or something uh, with uh, with XPW. Uh, he wanted to. He didn't. He doesn't understand. Uh, Max is. A, I like talking to Max, so don't take any of this. The wrong way, Max. When you listen to this, uh, but he didn't. He didn't understand the concept of what we were trying to do for an invasion angle. He wanted us to start the first blow, but that wouldn't make sense because they would be the new company wanting to make a name for themselves. So I couldn't get him to understand that. And then AJ and them, you know, the the doctors ordered they they didn't really want to work with them. But I, I've always been one to help people out. You know, I, I don't care. Uh, as long as you're semi-respectable and you've got a goal, I'm always willing to help somebody out. And people can message me. And I'll, I'm always, I've always give my opinion. Always try to help somebody out. Because the fact of the matter is this: you don't get better in any aspect of this business without coaching. Mm-hmm. And if somebody messages me, I'm going to get back to them and give them my opinion if they want it. But Max, at the end of the day, it wasn't going to be a good fit for us to, to do an invasion angle the way he wanted to do it. So we had to scrap it. But I was more than willing to want to help him out, I think, to a fault because when I set up wanted to, I got a lot of pushback from a lot of people in the doctor's order and a lot of people outside of the doctor's order for that matter. But they were they a lot of people. What doc? Why 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 would you wanna why would you wanna do that? And my answer was simple because you know you never know when you might need some help, and karma goes a long way. And I, I would I would still try to maybe work with them again, but you know you, you have to meet people halfway and you have to understand you have to understand what the other person's trying to say. And at the end of the day, I think it was just bad communication. Mm-hmm. I, I I do think his trolling antics can be a bit much. Yeah, I, and and I, the and way Max is now, yeah, the, the way Max is now, I don't think I'd be willing to work with him. But for a time, you know, at the beginning when all this was starting, I, you know, when he was just starting to come up and get ideas, I was born willing to help him out. But his trolling's gone way too far, and he's insulted my friends. And people I consider very good friends. Well, and I told them this can't. in person. I told them this when we met up to shoot promos. Because we don't live far from each other. I told them this specifically. And um, 
the, the way he, he sees things is that he sees things like he wants himself to be better. So he looks at it at like a competition. Like, like this is WWE versus WCW versus ECW. And I and I told him, this ain't competition. We're all here to, to get better, and we're willing to work with each other as long as we give each other a modicum of respect. I think the only reason why I'm hesitant to just be like, fuck Max, is when I met up with him. He was very hospital-pulled towards me. And many people will probably say that's a facade, this, that, and the other. Oh, he's trying to get on your good side. That, that may... Hey, it may be the case. I don't know. I can just say when I met up with him, he bought me dinner. He showed me around the town. He he showed me some good places. He was nothing but nice to me. And when I hung out with him specifically, he wasn't talking shit about the other companies. Right. He was talking – actually, he was actually talking – he had criticism, sure, but we all have criticisms. But the, the vibe that I got was – Everything that he's doing is obviously just to troll, and he said that outright, and he's always in competition, this, that, and the other, but I can definitely see why people are put off, so I can't necessarily say that people who are put off are wrong. They are right to be put off by the attitude. And, and, and I get that. I get... I mean, people can have different experiences with different people. Like, I know there was something a while ago with you and Johnny. But when I met Johnny, he was – I stayed at his house. You know, he – we went to lunch. We went to uh, we went to Comic-Con together up in Chicago. We hung out. We had a – we generally had a good time, and I, I like John a lot. I have to well, say uh, he's – You got to – hold up. I've been friends with Johnny for 10 years. What mm-hmm. happened with us was a singular incident that kind of right. ruined the trust. That's that's a different story. Um, and but go ahead. No, I'm just saying that like I I get what you're saying because you, you people can see one side of, of a person and 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 I get that I understand that and I think that uh, I I I think I would agree with you that you go he's going about it the wrong way. I think. Uh, there are certainly better ways to get people's attention than to insult them blindly. This is my, my experience. When you insult somebody, one of two things is going to happen. They're going to get really mad or they're going to tune you out completely. And you have to you have to just be mindful that one of those two things is going to happen. And if you lose people listening to you, then what recourse do you have when you're actually speaking? Mm-hmm. And like I said, uh, just confrontation. I just don't. I I definitely see both sides. Like I I definitely see the side that's pissed off because it's like yeah, the trolling is a little much. And we talked about it. We were talking about it in person. That I felt his trolling was a little much. Um, however, I don't think he's super malicious. He's nowhere near like what Sonny was or anything like that. He's just a guy that goes about this the wrong way. Um, and the insults that, and, and besides the insults that he has given, are not insults that I particularly would get mad at personally. Like the stuff that he said about COH is just stuff that I'd be like, oh, okay, that's, he said that, whatever. It's not, it's not even an insult that I felt like it's worth responding to. 
if you, if you know what I'm saying, like it's one of those like third grader insults. Sure. Like like insults that it's just like um okay, and you want what do you want me to say? <laughs> like I, I okay. And... Like all that's missing from that is your mama, right? I mean, uh, your mama's. Or you're a duty face, or uh, yeah, cocky brain, or whatever. So. Those, those, best, those jokes are always the best, you know, like your mom, or your papa, or your brother, or your sister. You know? yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, this is going to sound morbid coming from me, but hell, it helps me cope. I mean, nobody can give me your mama jokes at me now, so. Jeez, <laughs> oh, that's too dark. It is, but <laughs> it, it helps me cope a little bit. Dark humor I mean, kind of does. Humor is the best medicine, though. I it is. It, it is. It, it's helped me in some ways. Uh, I said, I've said stupid shit like my mother passed away, so I have nothing to live for now. <laughs> to certain people, like I said, I'm gonna beat you up. I, my mother died. I have nothing to live for at this point. It helps me in a way, but uh, that's oh, just... dude, that was always the. Mm-hmm. Ooh, sounds like uh, really got... hard way. What's up? Oh, was, so we all did stupid stuff in high school, and I remember one time somebody uh, was giving me a really hard way, and they said, your mama, and I looked at him, I said, and she's not, she's still alive, and I said, my mama's dead, and they felt just horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the one thing you can do, like, when somebody says something about your family, they're dead. Yeah. They just, they just, you know, they just become so crestfallen, and... and yeah, demoralized. Yeah, kind of, yeah, demoralized, and it's one of those dark things that you can do to really shut a person up. And sometimes you have to go to that. That's or at def- least back in the day. That's definitely true. Well, damn, we've been going on for nearly two hours, and uh, I didn't, I didn't know somebody could talk to me for two hours. Well, this is this has been a learning experience. If anything, I'm that is true. <laughs> Um, my, my recorder says an hour and 41 minutes to be exact, but usually my shows yeah. are range around this time anyway, so. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that, uh, some of the ones have been like two hours or an hour and 15 minutes, but I, they're all good listens. I, I hope someone listens to this and, and message, I mean, message me, let me know what you think. Message Steve, let him know what he thinks. I think Steve's got a good thing going here with the, the Accurate Podcast. I think this is a, a great platform to just sit down and have a discussion. And, Thank you. Uh, it, it's, it truly is. It's good. It, it really is good. And I think uh, I think a lot of people should utilize this platform to you know, sit down and have an out-of-character discussion. Two, just two guys talking. Yes, the main topic would be CAW, but as you can see, we were talking about other stuff, and I did the oh, same God, thing. Oh, God, we talked about everything. I, I, I did the same thing with Stefan, talked about our WrestleMania experience and all that, so you don't have to stray away from just CAW. We can talk about other things, wrestling, <laughs> and other stupid stuff that, that could be correlated, because obviously there's only so much you could talk about in CAW, because oh, yeah. there's so many companies out there to talk about, and obviously myself and whoever I'm talking to probably we have different uh, knowledges of certain companies, so it's always good to find some sort of uh, discussion to have. So mm, I agree. Well, but, uh, yeah. 
Any, anything else to, to wrap it up? Uh, have any other questions for me? Any, uh, any I always ask my, my people this, the future. What's the future hold for Doc? Uh, retirement on a sunny beach, sipping a pina colada with my son and my wife. Um, no, I think when I look back at what I've done, I I think I can say that, and and this might be just me being being you know a homer for my own character. I don't know. But based on what other people have told me and the way people have treated me and being voted into the Hall of Fame and things like that, I, I think I can honestly say with retirement, I can look back at the future and say I'm leaving call in a better place than where it was. And I think that's really every, the ultimate compliment that everyone should strive for in every aspect of their life, not just call. But when you leave someplace, make sure that it's in a better place when you leave it than before you got there. And I think I can say that about about call. I, 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 don't, I didn't know I could say that before I met all of you. I really didn't. But... You know, looking back, I, I think it's a, I think it's a safe bet to say that I'm, I'm leaving call in a better place than what it was when I got here. Indeed, a certain piece of the puzzle is now missing thanks to Zeta. <laughs> well, I, I do appreciate that compliment. Thank you. No problem. Well, thank you, Doc, for another entertaining edition of Cause Accurate podcast. Everybody, uh, just remember one thing. Killing people is bad. Don't do that. Um, and, and stealing is bad, unless you really need food. Then go steal from a supermarket or something. Um, but otherwise, never kill. Never kill. Unless you're doing it for your wife and kid. Then then kill as many people as you want. No, don't do that. Indiscriminate. Indiscriminately. Yeah, don't do that. I don't, want, I don't want to be kicked off the platform now. Uh, That's right. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the rest of your night.